Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hey, y'all. An Osseo podcast. Welcome, friends and wizards, to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I'm Jacqueline Coley. I'm an editor at Rotten Tomatoes, where I cover independent film and awards. And I'm Mark Ellis. I'm a stand-up comic, Rotten Tomatoes correspondent, and I am not happy, Jacqueline, because I'm not thrilled with the house that I got in the sorting hat, (laughs) Hogwarts Harry Potter. I'm not thrilled with it at all. And that is going to say that I am in Hufflepuff, which I would rather live under the stairs, to be honest with you. Honestly, them's just the breaks, man. I mean, you could be like Harry and convince the sorting hat to put you in a different house, but I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say that the computer doesn't work that way. It's going to tell you where you belong. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I want an audience with the hat. That's what I want. <laughs> you can get an audience with the hat. Okay, well, in case you can't tell by our first part of the conversation, today we are talking about Harry Potter. That's right. And all of them, literally all of the movies in the original series. And this episode is actually based off of a Rotten Tomatoes article that is all the Harry Potter movies ranked from worst to best by Tomato Meter. So if you haven't checked that out already, please go do so because we're going to be talking about it and breaking it down. And today deciding is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about that ranking? Uh, and we got somebody here to help us because I think... I know a little bit more about Harry Potter than Mark, but we needed like a real Potter head <laughs> and we actually brought one along for us today. But I mean, look, before we introduce her, Mark, give folks a quick little snapshot of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Uh, you want a quick little Polaroid of, of this world that, that spans myriad books and movies and, and film franchises? All right. Yeah, well, let me I want you to bring it here. down to a 15 second Snapchat. Like, oh I want that to God. get across that quickly. Do it. All right. This now. is going to fit in your Instagram stories. It all started back in 1997 when I was but a high school senior with a book called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So you got this 11-year-old boy, and he discovers, guess what? He's a wizard, and he gets to go to Hogwarts, which is this, this magical boarding school in England that, again, it, it looked a lot like a Catholic high school because I was currently attending one at the time. So he meets up with his buddies Ron and Hermione, and they become friends forever like a Saved by the Bell situation. And we go on to learn about Harry's past. His parents were murdered. There's somebody whose name we can't speak. That's how evil they are. And this whole franchise was written by J.K. Rowling. Uh, she wrote a bunch of Harry Potter books and Fantastic Beast moved. And then we get Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone that came out in 2001. And then for about the next decade, here comes Harry Potter at the box office. So many different adventures and matriculation. And we really got to see these three kids grow up into adults who have to save Hogwarts, have to save their way of life, have to save pretty much the world. Doesn't matter if you're a wizard or a muggle, you owe a debt of gratitude to these three youngins. So I am not going to suggest that you go read all the Harry Potter books because I have not, but I will definitely suggest to watch the Harry Potter movies because they're great. And my co-host has actually seen Harry Potter as an adult and he had some kid who was a 'er ne'er-do-well on Broadway. Mark, thank you for that lovely synopsis. Look, I appreciate you not encouraging everyone to read the books, but I'm slightly uh, elitist like this, so I'm telling them they should. They're kids' books. It takes a day. 
I did five of them in like an afternoon and like during a bad breakup. So you can do it. You can literally read the entire series. And it's <laughs> no, quite that's good. A, maybe, maybe that's why I haven't gotten into a relationship in a while. It's because I don't want to go through that breakup of then having to read for the next week. <laughs> like like n- nothing really? is more torturous than a breakup except for having to read a thousand page books. I don't care how big the print is. I don't care if it's double space. It's a lot of effort. I'm not saying it's not worth it, but I'm just saying if a book is not a biography of Van Halen or Tiger Woods, I probably haven't read it. Oh, well, you know what? You stay on brand. I appreciate you for that, Mark. Uh, but maybe Lucy, <laughs> you've read the books, right? I'm going to bring into our producer, Lucy. I think she's read the books. Maybe. I read all of them. I was in the third grade when the first one came out, and I started then, and I finished them every year that they came out. Yes. And then, like, a cup, I'd stay up till 4 a.m. as, like, a grade schooler, and I'd be sick the next day. It was the best. Yeah, you were one of those people. I was one of those two people, too, but it was with uh, Jackie Collins' romance novels at the age of 12. And now we know why I'm a twisted individual. <laughs> Speaking of Jackie's, let's go ahead... <laughs> And introduce our special guest uh, today. Uh, Jackie Jennings is our guest, and she's a huge Harry Potter fan. And I cannot wait to her to break down if Rotten Tomatoes is wrong or if our ranking is something that she actually agrees with. So without further ado, Jackie Jennings, she's a writer and host for Sci-Fi Wire. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited. I do feel like I have to say yes Compared to the average adult I know, a disgusting amount about Harry Potter, compared to true, true, true diehard Potter fans, I'm, I, I don't even rank. Like, <laughs> compared to some of the people I've been lucky enough to meet who are like leaders in the Potter community, I am a novice. So I feel like any conversation with Potter has to start with that. Like I didn't name my kid after one of the characters. I'm nothing. Wow. But yes, I love Potter and I love these movies. And Rotten Tomatoes is dead wrong with their list. <laughs> I mean, that brings us to the list on it. But first of all, I appreciate you hedging your bet because you're like, I am not. Mu- I don't even know who those people are. Those people are like fantasy versions of Olympus. I didn't even know there was like a head of the Potterhead community. Like, do y'all do meetings? We'll discuss later. Uh, yeah. But first, Mark, break down for us the actual ranking that's on Rotten Tomatoes so we can go ahead and, and, and break down where everything sort of lies. This is why it's great having Jackie on the show, because Jack, when I look at Jackie as sort of a Gilderoy Lockhart for us, where it's like maybe not the not the most powerful wizard, but that maybe there's some window dressing. But for me, this is like, oh, my God, look at all the spells this person can cast. So I am very imp- I would buy Jackie's autobiography is what I'm saying. Now, that's a good that- comparison. Yeah, because I'm pretty good at magic, but I'm not going to like fight for you. You know, oh, like that's- I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. I I successfully compared a real human to a Harry Potter character. So, folks, if you are able to check this out and follow along on your computer, on your phone, pull up RottenTomatoes.com, or I'll just tell you the Harry Potter ranking right now. Here we go. Coming in at number eight, the lowest rated of the Harry Potter films on the tomato meter is Harry Potter. (laughs) Harry Potter? I told you I was going to do it. (laughs) Harry Potter. No, no, you got to do Harry (laughs) Potter. And yes, Deathly Harry Potter. Speaking of Deathly Hallows, a Harry Potter part one. So part one is 77% certified fresh. It's got an 85% audience score. At number seven is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix from 2007. That's 78% certified fresh, 81% audience score. At number six is the one that kicked us off, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That gets us to 81% certified fresh and 82% audience score. At number five is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. What a movie! 82% certified fresh, 80% audience score. You start to notice a trend that even the 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 least of these on the tomato meter are still really, really good. Uh, yeah. Number four, is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince from 2009. That's 84% certified fresh, 78% audience score. Number three, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, 88% certified fresh, 74% audience score. And now we come to our top two. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban comes in at number two with a 90% certified fresh and 86% audience score. That's good enough to get you into Brown University, but if you want to go to Yale or Harvard, you got to go with number one on the list, according to the tomato meter, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the one that closed the book out on Mr. Potter 
96% certified fresh, 89% audience score. Whew, what a way to say sayonara. <laughs> That's a way to say goodbye. Teach him how to say goodbye, to quote the Hamilton wow. lyric. Um, and very well done. Thank you, Mark, for breaking that down for us, the entire uh, original Harry Potter franchise. So, Jackie, you kind of previewed it, but I'm guessing you disagree with this list and you're thinking Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I do. And I okay. actually... I do. I mean, we could go into it now. We could go into it later. The specifics of what I think are wrong, because I actually think it's not number one and number eight that are the most wrong, if that makes sense. I think yeah. the middle of the list has the most egregious errors, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to go past Chamber of Secrets at five. Like, what? it's hard. Yeah, no, I've, I've, well, we'll get there because Mark thinks Chamber of Secrets should be a little bit higher on the list and we're going to have to disabuse him of that idea. But but Mark, what about you? What are you? Where are you at on the ranking of it? I'm not. I'm not getting into this this <laughs> Slytherin house that y'all are trying to lead me into. Okay, <laughs> I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, and I think Jackie Jennings is wrong for saying that one and eight are not the most egregious because number one is the most egregious on this list to me, anyway. Really? Yes. Yeah, that no. I mean, yes, I have thoughts about and and look, we we should we should qualify it by saying this. First of all, we're not talking about the Fantastic Beast movies because I I don't have a headache currently and I'd like to not have one by the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And also we are talking about eight movies that we all really like. Like these are all good movies, if not great. And so it's not a debate between like, oh, God, are there any leprechaun movies that are fresh? These all earn their certification of being fresh. But I do think Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two has an issue, if not many issues. An issue, if not many. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a good hedge. Okay, look, we're going we're gonna to break down and, and kind of see where we land on all this. I think I'm more in the line with Jackie. Fitting. Um, <laughs> it's a Jackie alliance. A Jacqueline alliance. It really is. It really is. Um, that we're going to go ahead and say that the middle is a little bit more like, eh, but we'll break that down in a second. Before we get there, though, we're actually going to bring back our resident expert and review creation manager, Mr. Tim Ryan, who is going to sort of break down for us just the number one movie, The Deathly Hallows. Since that is the top of the heap, that is the number one as far as the tomato meter, Tim is going to break down for us what the critics were saying. Tim, take it away. Thank you, Jacqueline. One of the interesting things about Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the fact that it has a higher tomato meter score than any other film in the Harry Potter franchise. And it's at 96% on the tomato meter. It's certified fresh with 330 reviews, and it won the Golden Tomato Award for Best Reviewed Wide Release of 2011. And it's got an 89% audience score, too. Now, a lot of fans would say The Prisoner of Azkaban is the best Harry Potter movie. It's at 90% on the tomato meter. And I think we've seen sometimes that people are confused by such a high tomato meter for Deathly Hallows Part 2. But I think one way to look at it is the idea that the Deathly Hallows Part 2 was the Harry Potter franchise winning the Nobel Prize versus the Pulitzer, i.e. it was for the complete body of work than necessarily for this exact film. A lot of reviews reflect this, that the idea that the Deathly Hallows Part 2 really stuck the landing on this, especially since the previous film, Deathly Hallows Part 1, was at 77%, which was good enough for certified fresh status, but it was the lowest tomato meter in the franchise. And part of the criticism there was it was naturally incomplete because there was a Part 2 coming. Anyway, what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Lisa Kennedy of the Denver Post wrote, In the 10 years since Harry's first big screen close-up, the spell has never been broken, and we muggles have been made better for the magic. In another fresh review, Kaleem Aftab of The Independent in the UK wrote, So the wait was worth it. The eighth film of the seven-book series sees Harry Potter finally waving a wand in anger at his nemesis, Lord Voldemort, and it is not a disappointment. On the other hand, in a rotten review, James Vernier of the Boston Herald wrote that the film was 130 minutes of unfocused, supernatural-themed sludge. So that's what the critics had to say. Let's return now to the wizarding world of Jacqueline Coley. Tim! Coming hard for the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I do remember this being a bit of an event. Like, I remember people very much talking about, like, this is the end. It was very Lord of the Rings, Return of the King vibes. Jackie, I guess, take us back to when you first kind of saw them. Or, I don't know. I think you have, like, one particular instance, though, about Harry Potter that you want to break down. So, I came to Potter as an adult, 
as well. Um, I was, I, I sort of, my childhood should have perfectly lined up to have a similar experience to Lucy where I saw or started reading them as a kid, then got to see the movies and kind of had this like great, you know, like coming of age. Wow, I'm seeing the final one just as like, I too am crossing into adulthood. But I didn't. I didn't read them. and I didn't have that. I was first exposed to Potter in any real way. I was probably like 20. I was an intern at the Colbert Report on Comedy Central. And for some reason, maybe because he was a fan, I don't remember why, but the show got mailed a case of um, the final book in the series. Uh, and people were freaking out because we were all like of that age where everyone was really excited. People had been waiting online at Barnes and Noble. And I kind of like thumbed through it just thinking like, why is everyone so excited? This is this book about you know, kids. And I distinctly remember flipping to the last page and reading the last paragraph, which spoiler alert is you find out that, you know, Harry and Ginny wind up together and just thinking like, cute. Oh, weird. Like, I guess these kids are adults now. And then years later, going to the Wizarding World for the first time when I was probably like 29 and thinking, wow, this is a really magical theme park. I should read those books that I already know the ending to. Um, So I truly, truly fell backward into all of Potter, including the films. (laughs) What's your what's your actually favorite Harry Potter movie or scene or like what what's what makes what gives you the ooh ah sensation? Okay, so I think. And this is where I'm going to say I I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is super wrong about the top and bottom of the list because Azkaban is second, according to the Rotten Tomatoes ranking. I think Prisoner of Azkaban is the best Um, for many reasons. I think Gary Oldman is Sirius Black is it, it kind of, for me, ups the acting ante in these movies. I, I always like to say Harry Potter films don't necessarily... I don't think it was a given that you would get some of the performances that you do in these films without, like, Gary Oldman and Kenneth Branagh, those sort of, uh, I don't know, they're, they're like actors' actors in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really excellent casting, really great performance. Sirius is one of my favorite characters. And I think that this book and movie actually do time travel really, really well, which I think is really, really, really hard to nail. And almost any movie I can think of that attempts time travel, the logic falls apart in a way where it takes away my suspension of disbelief. And Prisoner as- Prisoner of Azkaban, I think, gets it right. Hermione, will you please tell me what it is we're doing? Oh, come and see the show. You, you foul loads of them evil at the conference. That's us. Hermione, no. It's not worth it. This is not normal. This is a time turner, Harry. McGonagall gave it to me first term. This is how I've been getting to my lessons all year. You mean we've gone back in time? Yes. Dumbledore obviously wanted us to return to this moment. Clearly something happened he wants us to change. It's a really light touch with the logic, which I think is what you have to do for time travel to track. So that is my number one. My favorite scene, and this, I think, might be more controversial, is it actually in Deathly Hallows Part 1, and it's the scene where Harry and Hermione dance in the tent. Because I think one thing that the series does really well is to never spell out the kind of love, and I will call it a love triangle, even though some of it is friendship love, that is happening with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. I think the films do a really, really good job of sort of show, don't tell with Mm. those loves and relationships and the kind of will they or won't they that's happening in that little swirl. And I think that scene is, it feels like mature and elevated. And I I really, really love that scene. But I think the movie's a stinker. (laughs) So, (laughs) So yeah, that's favorite movie, favorite scene. Okay, um, that's a, that's a pretty good one. I I, I don't know. It, it's a little bit trickier for me. But Mark, what's your favorite movie? Favorite scene? Well, we got some conflict in Hufflepuff uh, because uh, Jackie uh, and I are gonna lock horns. I will say, Prisoner of Azkaban, I think is is probably my number two. I, I think it's that high. I, I think mm. it's properly rated on the tomato meter in the Harry Potter lineage. 
I feel like everybody undersells Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which <laughs> is my favorite movie in the series because this was the film that, to me, bridged the gap the best between a young, fun kids movie and getting into the darker tones of what we see in later Harry Potter movies. It's not so dark that it's it's frightening the kiddies, and, and they're still kids. They're still little kids, and that's what I like about Harry Potter, and that's why I think Harry Potter movies are so much fun is because they are made for primarily kids in the same way that a Star Wars is made for kids and adults just happen to love it too. So with Chamber of Secrets, you get to see them just test the waters of adolescence a little bit. And what I love about Hogwarts in Chamber of Secrets is that when we meet everybody and we establish the world in Sorcerer's Stone, which I think that movie does a great job of that, of setting up what we can expect. But what Chamber of Secrets does is it just blows everything so wide open with the backstory, with the mythology that you say, okay, now anything is possible. It, the Chamber of Secrets opening up to me, represents that we can continue to have new adventures and be surprised by the rest of this franchise. And so getting to see Harry, Hermione, and Ron start to solve more problems on their own and and not relying on the adults, it reminds me of being a kid and whether you're doing things like you're sneaking out after curfew or you're driving a car for the first time when you're 16 by yourself and you're going with your friends, it's not a flying car, but it still is something where it's ingratiating you into adulthood. So I just thought that journey was so well captured captured by Chris Columbus in the Chamber of Secrets. So a house elf shows up in my bedroom. We can't get through the barrier to platform nine and three quarters. We almost get killed by a tree. Clearly someone doesn't want me here this year. Well, take a good look, lads. This night might well be the last you spend in this castle. And my favorite scene as a fan of sport is I think the Quidditch is off the charts in this. Mm. It's this is probably the movie that a lot of college kids said, oh, you know what? We should go outside and try to play this because now they play Quidditch everywhere. It's like the new ultimate Frisbee of campus. And I think the Chamber of Secrets is the most responsible for that craze. See, Mark, the reasons that you like Chamber of Secrets, you I think it's interesting you call it a bridge because I see it as like a yes, like a weird holding pattern where it's like, oh, just give me the drama. Like, I don't need another monster. It feels too much like the plot is just a map from uh, Sorcerer's Stone without that sort of initial charm of, oh my god, I'm seeing Hogwarts for the first time, and I'm seeing Hagrid yeah. for the first time, and Harry... It's like, oh, okay, like, same thing, but it's a snake now, which yeah. isn't necessarily the fault of the movies, but I think the reasons that... And I think it's... That kind of makes me rethink it, calling it a bridge, because you do need that, um, but it is like the tween of the movies, where you're kind of like, okay, you're not quite an adult, but you're not cute anymore (laughs) no offense to tween some of you are cute i don't know that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This movie got me, got me by my heartstrings a little bit because I grew up uh, and had a big Magic the Gathering phase in my life, which mm. I still love and appreciate the game. And we're talking about basilisks quite often in this. And there's a, ah. there's a thicket basilisk is a green card in Magic that has a lot of cool powers. And so I used to put them in my Magic decks, and I was proud to see it represented in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I will stump for this movie. 
You will stump for that movie. Yeah, no, uh, maybe it's the book in me, but I have issues with the Chamber of Secrets. Tons of issues, but the main one I have is actually a book qualm, which is that Angela Johnson uh, is like one of the few black characters from the book, and she actually has a pretty good storyline in that second book, and they just deleted it, and it is part of my Mm. biggest qualm with the entire franchise. There's this great YouTube channel where they actually break down all of the words spoken by minorities in a film franchise, and Harry Potter clocks in at a whole whopping minute and 15 seconds. (laughs) And mostly all of them are by uh, the kid that was on How to Get Away with Murder. He played Dean. Thomas or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Most it's basically of them Dean Thomas and Cho Chang. Those were like yeah, the only... That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. And so I'm like, screw this. Um, but, you know, my favorite movie is actually one that some people dislike, but I love, and that's The Goblet of Fire. I love the, like, let's put on the dance. Let's bring in these other schools. I love the idea of the wizarding world, like bringing in the people from Durmstrang and uh, Beau Batons and, like, having it be this whole... Different schools kind of thing. So, Hogwarts has been chosen to host a legendary event, the Triwizard Tournament. Now, for those of you who do not know, the Triwizard Tournament brings together three schools for a series of magical contests. From each school, a single student is selected to compete. Now, let me be clear. If chosen, you stand alone. And trust me when I say... These contests are not for the faint-hearted. And I also loved, like, Ron realizing that he was into Hermione. And the the best part about that movie, though, is, again, a book thing, but they alluded to it in the series. Hermione's hair is way curlier and, like, like nappier in the books. And that's why most people, especially me, contended that she was a sister. Um, and they actually talk about her literally greasing her hair to straighten it. I'm like, bitch, that is not a white girl. <laughs> <laughs> she like puts product in her hair to style it for the Goblet of Fire. And then when she walks down and you get that moment in there. And as a girl that has fought her hair since the age of about 10, I really appreciated that moment in the book. Um, I would say my favorite scene, though, is actually the wedding between Bill and Fleur. Fleur is annoying, fluff, and I despise her. But that wedding was gorgeous. And I... Bill Hader will always remain top in my uh, internet obsession, but a very distant second and always holds a place in my heart is Dom Hall Gleason. So I agree so. with basically everything that you said. Aw, thanks, love. <laughs> including including the Fleur. Uh, I remember in the books when after Bill is um, mauled and we find out that Fleur actually really loves him and isn't shallow at all. I was like, you know what? Just let me not like Fleur, okay? I know. Like, why do I need to... Oh, she's great. She's beautiful and great. Like, get out of here. No, you were shallow. And I think... See that through. <laughs> like... Yeah. Let it be complicated. Let her stink a little. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I I actually... that That is one of my least favorite characters. But the wedding scene is great. Yeah, the wedding scene is gorgeous. And it was, again, yeah. it was... Uh, it's sort of like what we're dealing with now is like in moments of really not great things happening around you finding those little joys finding like i i appreciate that in the abstract and like try not to get too touchy-feely about it but in times of like challenges and heroism like that's when you get like the cool stories that they make movies out of and they made one about this um you you want to hear something crazy so our three picks are the three lowest box office grossing harry potter movies is prisoner of azkaban is actually the lowest yeah. The, and then Chamber of Secrets and then Goblet of Fire. So we're really we're, we're saying some controversial stuff here. Y'all, this is a, <laughs> this podcast is just one big spicy hot take. That's yeah. really shocking. Yeah. I wonder if it's. Yeah, it's the same. I believe the Prisoner of Azkaban came out the same year as Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Yes. Is that incorrect? Maybe? That sounds right to me. I think it was 2004 right. for both of them, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, maybe fantasy fans use their 10 bucks to see Two Towers instead of I mean, everybody Banks. saw Two Towers, dude. Actually, everybody. I'm going to tell you a story. My friends drove to New Orleans for spring break when I was uh, in college. 
and they drove to New Orleans and actually stopped on the way back in Lake Charles to see the Two Towers, which is a two hour plus movie. And this was like dudes that were like half awake. I was like, why are y'all doing this? Why are That's y'all great. doing this? This is like <laughs> their fans. But Two Towers made a boatload of money. I, I it's not on Mark Hoffmeyer's research here, but I'm sure he knows that Two Towers killed uh, Harry yeah. Potter, even though Harry Potter was a huge franchise. But are we are we all cool with Deathly Hollows at the top? I mean, I know you're not. Wait, is it Mark? You're not, and Jackie, you're okay with it, right? I'm fine with it. I think I personally would put it lower. Uh, than Prisoner of Azkaban, obviously, because I think that should be number one. I also, I I might actually put Order of the Phoenix, which that's where I have, this is where my real problems with the list start, is that Order of the Phoenix is really low uh, on the list. It's number seven, and it's probably my second favorite movie. So I might go um, Azkaban, Order of the Phoenix, and then Deathly Hallows Part 2. Because I don't think when you're talking about it, I don't think you can discount how unbelievably satisfying it probably was for fans at the time. So it's like, mm. as a film, do I think it's necessarily the best? No. As this culmination of years and years of expectation, do I think that it lived up to everything that fans had put on this franchise since they were children? I do. Mm. So I think I give it credit for that. But no, I would probably have it third. And it had the toughest job. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. that the two toughest tasks in Harry Potter are the Sorcerer's Stone, which is getting us to buy into this world. And then it's Deathly Hallows Part 2, because now we we did buy into this world big time. And now we have to say goodbye to it. So it had a similar challenge to what you had with Return of the King or with Avengers Endgame or with Rise of Skywalker, which I can't wait to talk about in a couple weeks. So oh God. with Deathly <laughs> Hallows Part 2, my my reasoning for it not being all the way at the top is that I realize you probably had the highest bar of any of these movies to get over, and it did for the most part. And I think it satisfied a lot of folks, but that final battle between Voldemort and Harry, it it just felt to me... Like, if we replay that nine times out of ten, Voldemort wins, and I don't know why he lost this one. It was like he didn't mm. bring his A game. You were right. When you told Professor Snape that one was failing you, it will always fail. I killed Snape. But what if the one never belonged to Snape? What if its allegiance was always to someone else? Come on, Tom. Let's finish this the way we started it. It was like he didn't bring the full-on Voldemort that we've been hearing about with all these movies. Because he saw a dude pull a Jesus right in front of him. That's going to make you shook. Yeah, you're like, oh. Literally rise from the dead. I would be shook. I would not be able to come with my best stuff. Come on now, Mark. I mean, if you had somebody bomb right in front of you, wouldn't you have a little hard time getting into the groove? Mark Ellis would that lives on Earth (laughs) that doesn't have magic, as far as I know. But if you live in a world that has newspaper clippings that move, if you you have paintings that move on the walls, if you have (laughs) wands that cast spells that can turn people into cats and back and forth, then you say, oh, yeah, it was Jesus. It was just another Tuesday. True, 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 true. Yeah, I, I feel that. By the so, way, that, bo- that battle was fought on a Tuesday. I have that in my lore. It was actually a ha- Tuesday evening is when that battle was fought. On a Tuesday? Wow, okay. you're rising uh, from the dead on a Tuesday. <laughs> I think, Mark, maybe this is also where I give both Deathly Hallows movies, even though they're not my favorites, little credit, is that, and this is the tough part maybe of adaptations, is that I the things that I don't love about Deathly Hallows are the is the logic from the books. I do think that there are so many loopholes toward the end of spells rebounding and this is possible and like a a pep talk in heaven from Dumbledore, you know, there's some stuff that I think doesn't quite track but I don't think it's the fault of the films. And I think given that there are certain things that you obviously can't change from the books. I think the films do a good job representing that, but I don't know that the ironic crazy enough. It's like the magic is the actual thing that I think falls apart for me in the end, but I feel weird, like dinging the movies on that. 
Yeah, Deathly Deathly Hallows Part 2 is definitely, like, a very good, very bad. So it's like, yes, for every, you know, Beatrix Lestrange and <gasps> Molly, uh, the mother of um, uh, Ron's mom, being like, uh-huh. get your hands off my daughter, you bitch. Like, that shit is fire. <laughs> it's but great. then you have the scene at the end where they tried to make Daniel Radcliffe, a literal perpetual boy, look like he's somehow aged. And he and Jenny just look weird. And it looks slightly perverted because she really looks young. Yes. And he looks like a weird old dude. It so doesn't work. Just doesn't work at all. And... Yeah, it, it kind of goes to the highs and the lows of it. I don't agree that it's number one. My like one, two, three is probably, if I'm being really honest, yeah, it's probably Goblet of Fire, Prisoner of Azkaban, and then actually maybe Order of the Phoenix before Deathly Hallows Part 2. But yeah. I'm not mad about that because, again, if you want to go to my least favorite, and I know it's your least favorite too, Chamber of Secrets, uh, Jackie, Aww. it's still a movie that if you put on right now, I would watch it and enjoy it. Um, what's his name? Lucius Malfoy is serving with that wig. <laughs> Jason Isaacs, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. He's a great bad guy, and he's one yeah. of the few other, well, I, I mean, other than Snape, who obviously, yeah. again, spoiler, I guess, you guys have to, like, hello, Snape is If not they don't bad. know by now. Yeah. If you, you don't know by where now. Where have you been? Where have you been? Um, how do you even know how to listen to a podcast if you don't exactly. know the Snape backstory? Uh, if you know who plays Snape, you probably can guess. <laughs> Seriously. But, yeah, I think Lucius Malfoy is great. But I think, like, what you were saying, Jacqueline, I, any of these movies, and you set it up top, I have so much affection for and love and think that in some ways... It's a weird thing to say, but they're almost as films and performances uh, unexpectedly or surprisingly great. The Mm -hmm. fact that they cast these children when they were 11 and nobody with with one exception, obviously Dumbledore, because it tragically had to be recast. But they're all great. And they're still like Daniel Radcliffe and Watson. They're still working actors. That's crazy that it spanned their entire childhood and adolescence and they're really good is like it gives me goosebumps because it's like this tiny little bit of magic in and of itself how could you know when a kid's 11 that they're going to be phenomenal actors and they are so yeah like if someone put on chamber of secrets i'm watching it uh is it my do i pick it no no (laughs) but am i watching it Yes, I am watching it. It's incredible casting, what they were able to do. And because, like, like my top three favorite Harry Potter movies are uh, Chamber of Secrets is one, Prisoner of Azkaban is two, and then I'd probably say Deathly Hallows Part One is number three, Mm. because I just like the the Empire Strikes Backy of it all. Mm. There's there's clearly examples in movies that were adapted from novels that did not need to be split into two parts. This one did. And I don't think anybody has any qualms with paying another 20 bucks or 15 bucks, wherever you live, to go see Deathly Hallows Part 2. And that movie was definitely worth the price of admission. They all are. The ceiling for these movies may not be the highest ceiling that I have in my love of film, but the floor is probably the highest of any movie franchise. And I'd even throw Lord of the Rings in there, too. Is that the the worst Harry Potter movie is still damn good and entertaining yeah. and and you don't mind spending two two and a half hours at hogwarts regardless of what the movie is as long as it doesn't start with an f <laughs> yeah i <laughs> lord of the rings i might i actually i agree i i think i might agree with you although if we're including the hobbit movies in there yeah then i agree with you if we're talking just the three lord of the rings I'm it's a close call. I'm giving it to yeah. Lord yeah. But That's tough. it's really close. Also, there's only three. Yeah. Only. I was like, say, if you do if you do the six Lord of the Rings, like so Mark Hoffmeyer uh like con- um put together all of the six plus releases franchises. So this is things like Conjuring, Superman, Aliens, Rocky, the Bond movies. These are like multiple, multiple, multiples. And Harry Potter is number one at 85% tied with the MCU on the averages if you do just the eight. Mm. However, if you include the two redheaded stepchildren of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, Mm. it drops down to 79 and is right below Star Wars and Mission Impossible, right above Bond, which is at 74, Star Wars and Mission Impossible are at 80 and, and, and 79, which I think 
is interesting. It shows like, hey, consistency across the movies. But when you talk about Bond, dude, they got Moonraker in there. Yeah, and, wait. So Fantastic know? Beasts is rated so poorly. Yes. That it, drops it drags them. the average down below episodes one, two, three of Star Wars. Three of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Below. Uh, uh, yeah. Because it's including all 12 <gasps> of the Star Wars films. Including right. Solo. Mm. And <gasps> like, yeah, everything. Everything Star Wars uh, standalone. I know. Just pick your mouth just, up off the floor. I'm glad I can't. We, my mouth I, is. My jaw fell off. It's gone. This research is <laughs> wow. incredible, and I'm this so awesome. happy that we give it to Mark Hoffmeyer because it keeps him off the streets. And that guy, <laughs> bless. Left, it, Mark Hoffmeyer, left to his own devices, would just be watching Deep Blue Sea on repeat. It, it and, no. and and we can't have that happen again. So I'm glad that we give him these these random <laughs> tasks to occupy his day away from shark movies. Yes, we that will. We will keep a researcher employed and clothed and fed with our <laughs> with our little wow. podcast here. Although Mark did, he's really funny with his notes. Mark wanted to let us know that yes, according to the numbers, because he is a statistician, Harry Potter, the first eight are at the top, but in, he literally put it on the note, but all the Fast and the Furious films, which currently have a 59% average, we all know should be number one. Uh, I'm going to give you the real number, uh, but okay, I'm going to also okay. tell you the fact that I, as a as a numbers person, am upset that this is not the way that it should be. So he lets us know the way that it is and the way that he thinks it should be, which That's I love beautiful. that. I know. It is beautiful. It's wrong, um, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> It is slightly wrong, but it's cute. Uh, so, Jackie, I, again, not going to get into the here or there, but I think our top three, it's not that far off, but it's still not right. You know, it's like you can't be a little wrong, just like you can't be a little pregnant. Yeah. It's just wrong. You yeah. Know? It's the Order of the Phoenix. That's the one that's really throwing me for a loop. I don't get yeah. it. Um, yeah. I think it's crazy. I think that's... I, and I think all in general, I think I would say the David Yates of the which is crazy because Alfonso Cuaron uh, is obviously a wonderful director. But I think like on balance, we only did one. I think the David Yates movies for me are the are Potter. Um, yeah. Really, I'm saying I don't like Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not going to be like the Chris. Col- I'm just not going to. I can't call a Chris Columbus movie my fave. Like, it's just it's sure. too it's too cotton candy with eggnog for me wow I you know I, I feel like that poor basilisk in chamber of secrets i'm just <laughs> i'm just having spells cast on me left and right it just it, but you think it's wrong too mark you think the list is wrong just for different reasons i think the list is wrong it, primarily because chamber of secrets deserves more love and deathly hallows part two not quite as much as it gets mm. but again they're all just so thoroughly enjoyable and and i say that full well knowing that i would rather revisit other franchises just personally to go watch but i can watch any any franchise you give me i can watch and still acknowledge that this is not as good start to finish as mr potter also really quick to mark's point another reason why chamber of secrets should be way higher thank you lucy movie where they free dobby dobby as we all know dobby's the greatest character in all of harry potter Dobby's great. And actually, I think the omission of all of um, the Hermione, like Elf rights, Dobby, all of that stuff is one of the weirdest omissions of all the movies to me. I I understand why. Yeah, because Dobby becomes Nat Turner and nobody Mm -hmm. gets liberated. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like, this is some. uh, Don't get me started on the whole house else things. It is problematic boots down. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but let's just go ahead and say. This was the first inkling of Miss JK's problematic tendencies. That that was this was the first little peek inside, and that never sat well with me. It's like, no, slavery is like all together mm. or not. Like, mm-hmm. when is the Juneteenth coming to the other house elves? That's what I want to know. It because was that is not foreshadowing cool. of some other issues that a lot of folks <laughs> yeah. are gonna have but to look, take a outside. But look, but we can still but we can still love the books, we can still love the movies. They're enjoyable, they are fun. It is not gonna take it away from us the fact that maybe the tomato meter doesn't match up with what I'm thinking, because again, it doesn't matter. They're all very enjoyable. We can have a good time with them. And I do think what's really great is it's kind of this gift that keeps giving in the sense that like it is very still rewatchable, even as a kid's movie. And like, I don't know if any of you guys have seen some of the uh, sequels to A Land Before Time, 
But like they should have just stopped with that first movie. Like that was a cute kids movie. And then everything else that happened in the 11 to like 14 sequels that they've had since then is a travesty. And I feel bad for the youth. That When's that episode? It. When do we get to do all the land before times on Rotten Tomatoes uh, is wrong? I'm going to be on vacation that week. Uh, Jackie, <laughs> before you get out of here, uh, let us know what's going on over at Sci-Fi Wire. What you what you working on? Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, so, of course, every Friday we have our podcast, Who Won the Week, which uh, is when I get to crown Who Won the Week in Geek News. So check that out. Subscribe. It drops every single Friday. We also talk about the news and have celebrity interviews. And now, starting this month on Fridays, we're going to be having uh, YouTube versions of the episodes where we have myself and a bunch of other Sci-Fi Wire hosts and different personalities from across the geek world talking about the news and our opinions on it. So it it you know, we're we're just making stuff in our basements and bedrooms. <laughs> uh yeah, so always at Sci-Fi Wire, there's plenty to check out. Jacqueline, I'm checking my notes right now. Do we qualify as celebrity guests? I was to say, I yes. think we've been we've been on there, right? Yes. Yeah, you guys yeah. were on the Who Won the Week podcast talking about the ring. Yeah. When a light flickered above my head mid-podcast, and I thought I was a goner. Girl, I was literally like, if anything spooky happens on this record, ban her. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't want to scare Jackie, but but I could clearly see Samara in the background crawling out of the TV. And, uh, you mean in all of the like trash and workout equipment in the basement? And you Maybe didn't say anything. Maybe that's what I was staring at, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you didn't say anything like the the crazy person that you are. No. Um, well, Jack, I really appreciate you for coming on with us today. Also, before you leave, though, we like to give the kids a little extra. Any recommendations, uh, movies, stuff you want maybe for some folks to be checking out? Yeah, I think if you are into Harry Potter, which everyone should be, and this is not just because it is on the sci-fi channel, but I do think The Magicians is a fun kind of extension of the theme of wizards and school, but it's yeah. way more mature. So yeah. no, no, this recommendation is not for the kids. This is for yeah. the adults who are like, I did Potter and now I want to see Harry Potter uh, with yeah. like sex, drugs and magic. <laughs> and to be honest, the villain of the magicians is way scarier than Lord Voldemort. I think with the yes. moths around his head and that very music. Scary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's a good, uh, you know, you did Harry Potter and now you're in your 30 something and, Go check out the magicians. Okay, but wait. Okay, so here's my just, and I know we're wrapping up. Just maybe a thirty second review of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child because this fascinates me. The whole thing fascinates me. And by the way, I do not think that this is the last that we've seen those three actors, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint, as these three characters on the big screen. And 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 that is a trailer that I can't wait to see in like 10, 15 years. Is be in a movie theater. Then oh my god, that's the kid with the scar, except he's an adult. Is Cursed Child? Because tickets are like what a thousand bucks. Is it worth going to see? No. Okay. Do you, Jacqueline, have you seen it? It's not about going to see it. It's not worth a thousand dollars. I love Hamilton, yes. but I've never paid more than two hundred dollars to see it, and I was upset about the two hundred. So I have seen the show, and I think it is. I, I can't speak to the ticket price because I did get sent for work. So wow. it cost me nothing. Congratulations. Um, so it is phenomenal. Like I have never sat in the audience of a Broadway play and thought to myself, how did they do that? And then I did get to go behind the scenes. This is a piece we did. It's on our YouTube channel. We don't reveal any secrets, but I did get to see how things are done. And it's almost as magical the way they pull off how magic functions on stage as like if it were just magic. It's awesome. I also will say I sat next to a woman during the first half I was alone and she was alone and we like sort of became friends but then she was very loud she was visiting from Australia and uh, it, yep. this was like why she came and through the whole show every time magic happened she was like wow <laughs> yeah, and like, you're like I'm yelling. not with her I'm not yeah. with her <laughs> and then I during intermission she was talking to me I was like no 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 you're this is this is crazy but yeah. it is like that like as an adult you're like holy yeah um okay it's wondrous, very cool. Wondrous and amazing, but you've just given me further evidence to my sort of like guiding principle. Don't make new friends. 
Just yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Past the age of 20, you can't make new friends. Outside of the internet. So mm-hmm. let's get you some new friends on the internet, Jackie. Where can folks find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Jackie. And, you know, occasionally on some parenting and Tolkien subreddits. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. I live for that. Just like folks can find me ripping new ones into bad alien romance novels on Goodreads. But you got to be real <laughs> clever to figure out what my handle is on that one. Uh, <laughs> Mark, where can folks find you? I do my best to not reply to chats of any sort online, but you can find me on all social media platforms at Mark Ellis Live. I have no idea what goes into a production like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's why I like to make my living in front of a brick wall with a microphone. And that's all the tech I need. (laughs) That's all the tech that you need, but it's entertaining. It is entertaining. And I would say that folks would have just as good a time watching the entire Harry Potter franchise as they will with just 30 minutes at a Mark Ellis show. That is dead wrong. That is dead wrong. But I will say Jacqueline did go from seeing Cursed Child on Broadway and then she walked to see me do stand-up at New York the same night and she had a good time. I didn't let her down too much. It wasn't Cursed Child, but it was... Well, what did I see? Oh, I saw the boys in the band. The Mm. very, very gay Broadway play that is now on Netflix as a movie. Okay, and we'll just talk about how I am a weird Broadway nerd. If you want to rent or buy all the Harry Potter movies, you can rent or buy them on Fandango Now or Vudu. I highly advise you to do so. Of course, you can follow me at at that Jacqueline and all your social media platforms. And of course, follow us at Rotten Tomatoes everywhere else. Let us know what you're thinking of the podcast. And uh, more importantly, you can talk to us, right, Mark? Yeah, give us all that stuff. We want your thoughts, comments, nice criticism, suggestions for future episodes. You can email us anytime at Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Well, it's actually just RT is wrong. We're not going to make you type the whole thing out. RT is wrong at Rotten Tomatoes.com. We are here for your listening pleasure. And it's been so much fun this week getting back into Harry Potter a little bit. Jacqueline, next week we get to put the gloves on. Put the cape at, on. Put the utility the belt on. At the break of dawn. We're going to go all night long to the break of dawn with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Woo hoo! Uh, oh, wait. It wasn't like, split into two parts. Remember that rumor? It was going to be split into two parts? You know, there was so many things that were a rumor that was supposed to happen with Warner Brothers. We would need an entire podcast just to break down that. <laughs> <laughs> but next week, we're going to talk about Dawn of Justice. And I look, I'm going to be excited about it. At least that's what I keep telling myself between now and then. <laughs> We're talking about DC. Uh, that's a, that's all I got to say about that one. And it'll be fun. Martha. Look, just triggered Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Many thoughts that I will save until we're done recording and I can yell them at my pillow and then get them on tape next week. Yes, definitely. So tune in next week for us to be chatting about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Again, thanks you to everyone, Lucy, Mark Hoffmeyer, Tim, and of course, our special guest, Jackie Jennings, and my co-host, partner in crime, the Lewis to my Hardy. Is it Lewis and Hardy? Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. Costello! I will put this. You are the Beyonce to my Solange. I will make myself Frank to my Dean. Jacqueline, I think we all know that I am merely the Ron Weasley to your, not going to say Hermione, Harry Potter. You get to be the Wizard King or whatever he is. Subverting my expectations. I appreciate that. You're wrong. Wizard King. Wizard King is really funny. You know, the Wizard King with the goblet and the chalice and the wand. You you know, I I really do. You're not wrong. I mean, I have to say, there is a goblet, there's some chalices, and there's some wands, so you're not that far off. Let's be honest. All right. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll catch you guys next time on Rotten Tomatoes and Drop. 